The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Your host, J. Paul Newman of the Monthly District Attorney Show, will now take you on a journey to explore recent Rutherford County court cases, cold cases, and more. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-hosts today are Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones and Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. And we also thank our producer, Brian Barrett. Most of all, we thank you for listening. In our Inside the Court segment, Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones will tell us about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. Then Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch in the ever-popular What's the Law segment will discuss an area of the law that dramatically impacts our community. We will begin our broadcast after you listen to these important messages. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Habitat's Poker Run is September 16th. It's a 100-mile course for cars and motorcycles. There's motorcycles there. We have antique cars. That's the Poker Run. Really a great way to give back to Habitat. There's also a Habitat Marathon Run. It's about fun and fellowship. It's laughing. It's snacking. It's running. It's walking. Both benefit Rutherford County's Habitat for Humanity. Really a great way to give back to Habitat. The fun ends September 16th at Mayday Brewery. Broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios, MTE has provided light, comfort, and connection to our community since 1936. As your trusted energy advisor, MTE is always here to help. Connect online or download the MyMTE app. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas's Restaurant. With cold and flu season here, nothing helps my family more than having the Demas's baked chicken and rice soup. It was a soup that was created by my grandmother, and we not only sell it by the cup, but we also sell it by the quart, by the half gallon, and by the gallon. So stop by any time today and bring soup to your family that may be sick or a friend that's in sick, or just to enjoy it just because it tastes so good. Demas's Restaurant. Money issues? There's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. A search for truth.
My name is J. Paul Newman. Our case study today will be the 2003 murder of John Brassick. Telling us about this brutal homicide will be Lieutenant Todd Sparks of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. From call to conviction, time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime, the investigation, to the prosecution. Our case study today takes us back in time to the year of 2003. 47-year-old John Frederick Braxick is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. John Braxick has left his home in Louisville, Kentucky and relocated to Rutherford County to seek medical treatment at the Alvin C. York Veterans Hospital in Murfreesboro. While in Rutherford County, John Braxick met three people, three people who had joined together to end his life. Those three people were 22-year-old Billy Joe Carden, who lived in Smyrna, Tennessee, Carden's 20-year-old cousin, Elise Nicole Tiller, and Tiller's boyfriend, 27-year-old Kevin Lee Burdett. It was June the 14th, 2003, when John Brassick and his three new acquaintances were all together in a field in a rural area in the Kittrell community of Rutherford County. According to the investigation, drugs were involved that day, and Billy Joe Carden became concerned that John Brassick was not to be trusted. She accused Brassick of being a police officer, a bounty hunter, or a bondsman. The accusation led to an argument. At some point, Billy Joe Carden pushed John Brassick. Kevin Burdett said that when he saw that, he saw that John Brassick had a knife sticking in his chest. Detectives Mark DiNardo and Todd Sparks learned that Billy Joe Carden stabbed John Braxick several times with the knife in both the chest and the neck. They also learned that after the stabbing, Elise Nicole Tiller drives a Jeep Cherokee automobile over John Braxick not once, not twice, but a total of three times. Later, the Jeep is driven into the Stones River and burned. Ten days later... On June the 24th, 2003, the body of John Braxick is discovered. Following a very detailed and thorough investigation, Rutherford County Sheriff's Detectives Todd Sparks and Mark DiNardo arrest Billy Joe Carden, Elise Nicole Tiller, and Kevin Lee Burdett. Their cases were assigned to the courtroom of Circuit Court Judge Don R. Ash. The three defendants were represented by Murfreesboro attorneys Lance Selva, and Jack Mitchell, and Assistant Public Defender Tom Frost. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. On November the 22nd, 2004, Kevin Lee Burdett entered pleas of guilty to facilitation of murder and especially aggravated robbery. For the facilitation to murder charge, Judge Ash sentenced Burdett to 20 years in prison. And for the specially aggravated robbery, Judge Ash imposed a sentence of 15 years. One week later, on November the 29th, 2004, Carden and Tiller entered their pleas of guilty. Elise Nicole Tiller was sentenced on the murder charge to 20 years to be served in the Tennessee Prison for Women and 20 years for the especially aggravated robbery charge. Billy Joe Carden was sentenced to 30 years on the murder charge to be served in the Tennessee Prison for Women and 15 years on the especially aggravated robbery charge. 
With us today to further discuss this case is Rutherford County Sheriff Detective Lieutenant Todd Sparks. Lieutenant Sparks, we appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Well, good morning. Thank you. Lieutenant Sparks, my summary was really quite brief, but I now would like to ask you a series of questions designed to tell us more about the investigation into the murder of John Brassick and the arrest of Billy Joe Carden, Elise Tiller, and Kevin Burdett. My first question is this. How did the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office first become involved in the investigation? Mr. MacArthur was in the area of Vault Road, Murray Kittrell Road in the eastern section of the county, bush hogging a field. Grass there, if I recall, was about three or four feet high. He observed what he thought to be some type of animal carcass in the wood line next to the field. As he made a couple of passes around, he soon realized what he thought was an animal carcass he believed to be a human carcass. Contacted the sheriff's office. Of course, our patrol division responded, did in fact confirm that it was a human body. They contacted our investigations division, and the case was assigned to myself and Detective Donardo. Can you take a few moments and tell us specifically what were the injuries that Mr. Braxick suffered that caused his death? So looking back, initially when we responded, what we saw was a badly decomposing body. At the time, we didn't know how long it had been there, so it was hard to tell much about it on the scene. But as we got to the medical examiner's office, got things cleaned up, there were several injuries to the face and neck area of the body, specifically what was consistent with potential knife wounds. There was also a lot of broken ribs, clavicle, bones in the upper torso area that appeared to have been broken or crushed at that time. So it was very confusing as far as what might have happened to that individual at the time. How were you able to develop suspects in this case? Well, without sounding too cliche, it was good old-fashioned police work, honestly. We did a lot of walking around, talking to people. Based on our victimology, we had learned that the victim had been staying at a local hotel, that he had told his family was in the middle of town, centered to everything, but he... It was a bad hotel, so that was what we had to go on. We walked around a lot of those hotel areas showing pictures, asking questions, till eventually um, some people recognized our victim as having stayed there for several days. They began to give us information about who he had hung out with during that time period, which led us to look at hotel registration records. And eventually we developed some names based off those hotel records in the name of Elise Tiller. I had been familiar with Elise. Uh, she was a juvenile in Rutherford County, had had some problems growing up. Uh, so I knew her and knew her family. We immediately went to talk to them as soon as we discovered her name. That led us from there to West Virginia and several months more of investigation. Tell us about your trips to West Virginia and what was the purpose and what were you doing there? Well, based on the conversations with the family, we had learned that these three individuals, Billy Joe Cardin, Elise Tiller, and Kevin Burdett, had gone to West Virginia. They were actually from West Virginia and had come to Murfreesboro. Kevin had actually come here with Billy Joe to kind of start a new life. There was a lot of work in Rutherford County at the time. They were from the coal mining hills of West Virginia. There wasn't a lot of work available to them except in the coal mines. He was a roofer, wanted to make a better life. They came here, and he had actually done some work here in town for a while, but they decided to go back to West Virginia. Uh, some things like drugs and alcohol and some other problems that occurred in a very short period of time here in Murfreesboro made them decide to pack up and go back to West Virginia. Unfortunately, they committed a murder before leaving and cost them a good portion of their life in prison. Lieutenant Sparks, was there a leader in committing this crime? And if so, who was it? And what evidence do you have that points and directs you to saying that there was a leader? Well, without a doubt, I think that would be Billy Joe Carden. She was always in charge of this group, pretty well told them how they were going to do things. When they packed up to leave to go to West Virginia, it was her decision based on the statements that were made from the other co-defendants in this case. 
She was the one that initiated the assault on our victim, Mr. Braxeek. She was the one that decided that things were going to end the way they did. So without question, she was the one in charge. Did any of the defendants cooperate with the police? Any of them give statements about the murder? And if so, can you summarize what they told you? Kevin and Elise both did. They gave statements that corroborated a lot of the evidence that we collected from the scene and from the entire investigation. Kevin, in a nutshell, was there. Billy Joe had decided on this evening she was a bit paranoid. I think the drugs and alcohol had a lot to do with that, but also some statements that our victim had made. He had a family, I think, that had a history of law enforcement. She believed he was law enforcement in some form or fashion, that he was potentially there to arrest her, perhaps take her child away from her. She had decided that night, based on her paranoia, that he had to die. Elise had admitted that she was, in fact, the one who drove the vehicle over our victim multiple times. It was his vehicle, by the way. Uh, He was run over by his own vehicle. Kevin corroborated these statements, and at one point, Kevin also led us to discovering the murder weapon that was actually used to stab Mr. Braxy. What can you tell us about the victim in this case? Can you give us some background on Mr. Braxy? John Braxick was a military veteran. The only reason he was here in the first place was because he had gone to Chattanooga, Tennessee, to the VA there to receive some treatment for some special circumstances he had. They decided that he would receive the best treatment here in Murfreesboro. So he came here for medical treatment. While he was here, he just tried to make friends. He tried to have conversations. He bought food for people and bought people drinks. And based on the conversations we had with people around the hotels for the short time he spent there, everybody liked him. He was friendly was willing to help anybody any time. And a matter of fact, this particular day that he wound up being brutally murdered, he had actually gone to this group to extend an olive branch to them after they had gotten in an argument kind of over the same type of issues the previous night, where Billy Joe had thought that he was law enforcement, thought that he was there to arrest her. He didn't want any type of trouble with them, didn't want there to be continued problems. So he had gone there to extend an olive branch. short time later, he wound up dead. This case strikes me as being unusual because in this case, the serious parts of the crimes appear to be committed by two women, and the man seemed to play a lesser role. And these were very brutal acts. What are your thoughts about this interesting aspect of this case? Well, it certainly didn't fit the mold of a lot of the other homicides that we've worked, but that's the beauty and also the craziness about this job sometimes. We go in search of what we think are the obvious answers, and it turns out that it wasn't the obvious answers at all that we wind up finding. But in this particular case, simply a matter of a couple of young ladies who had chosen wrong paths and who influenced people in such a way as to get their way very manipulative and in this case unfortunately ended up in the death of a very innocent man who was just here to get some medical help. Lieutenant Sparks we want to thank you and the other members of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office for their excellent work in bringing Billy Joe Carden, Elise Nicole Tiller and Kevin Lee Burdett to justice. Do you have any parting comments? I'd just like to thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and talk about this case. This has always been a case we've been proud of. It was a true whodunit case at the time. We didn't really know what direction it was going to go. As a matter of fact, it led us in a bunch of different directions during during a three- to four-month investigation. So I'm proud of the people and proud of being a part of a group of people who go in every day and make decisions to work hard for the citizens of this county. Well, we thank you for your service to our community. Hi, I'm Larry Castelli, and I love living at Adams Place. It's very friendly. Everyone here 
seems to want to make friends and be your friend. And the staff is fabulous. Betsy, who is the director of activities, is fabulous. She's always having something going on. We have music at least once a week, wine and cheese, and there's all sorts of different type of activities. I would highly recommend Adam's Place. Hi, this is Dan at Music World and Drummer's Den. We have more drums than anybody in the area, I guarantee. We have Ludwig, we have Gretsch, we have PDP, and what about cymbals? Oh, we have cymbals. Zildjian, Pasty, we have Soul Tone, we have every kind of cymbal you can think of. We have new, used. We are Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. WGNS talks about all things local. It's Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high in the upper 80s. Winds out of the southeast to 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies develop below near 65. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 63. Turn your fingers into a microphone and talk back. WGNSRadio.com is Rutherford County's online source for what matters to you. WGNSRadio.com This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney General, Jennings Jones, and today I will be your tour guide through this episode of Inside the Courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go Inside the Courts. On March 16th of this year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department were dispatched to a residence on Swanson Lane in response to a 911 call. Upon arrival, officers located the body of Thetsaphone Cesarino. Mrs. Cesarino had been beaten to death in her garage and her throat had been cut. The victim's husband, Focam Cesarino, was unaccounted for and was later found covered in blood. After conducting an interview of Mr. Cesarino, he was charged with first-degree murder. Detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. Mr. Cesarino is represented by the Office of the District Public Defender and is scheduled to appear in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County on September 22nd of this year. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. On February the 15th of this year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call of shots fired at an apartment complex on Puckett Creek Crossing. Officers discovered the body of Miss Rebecca Stockton on the floor of her apartment. Miss Stockton had been shot multiple times. Detective Julie Cox has been assigned as the lead investigator. Miss Stockton's live-in boyfriend, Salim Hamilton, was missing. A manhunt for Mr. Hamilton was ordered, and Mr. Hamilton was located in Corbin, Kentucky. Mr. Hamilton was found to be in possession of the rental car of Miss Stockton and a 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Miss Stockton was shot and killed by a 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Mr. Hamilton was charged with the possession of the firearm by a convicted felon and remains in the custody of Corbin County, Kentucky. Mr. Hamilton has been charged with first-degree murder by the Murfreesboro Police Department and awaits extradition. 
On February the 13th of this year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call in reference to a stabbing at a residence on Ransom Drive. Upon entry, officers discovered the body of Mr. Philip Maddox on the floor in his bedroom. Mr. Maddox had been stabbed multiple times. Witnesses on scene advised that Mr. Maddox's roommate, Malik Smith, admitted to stabbing Mr. Maddox. Officers located Mr. Smith, and Mr. Smith confirmed the witness's statement. Detective David Miller of the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator. After a search of the residence, collection of the evidence, interviewing all witnesses, Mr. Smith was charged with first-degree murder. On May 31st of this year, a preliminary hearing was held and the court found probable cause to bind this matter over to the grand jury. Mr. Smith is represented by an attorney, Mr. John Slager, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On August 30th of last year, officers with the Smyrna Police Department responded to a shooting at a gas station on Sam Ridley Parkway. Mr. Nicholas Patterson had been shot during the course of an attempted robbery. Mr. Patterson later died as a result of his injuries. Surveillance video showed an armed subject enter the store, point a firearm at Mr. Patterson, fire at least one round into the ceiling, and then shoot Mr. Patterson before running out of the store. Detective Steve Hanna with the Smyrna Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. As a result of two other robberies, one in Brentwood, Tennessee, and one in Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Key Anthony Williams has been identified as a suspect. Upon execution of a search warrant, Mr. Williams was taken into custody and found to be in possession of a firearm. Mr. Williams was interviewed by law enforcement, and at the conclusion of the interview, Mr. Williams was charged with first-degree murder, attempted aggravated robbery, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. A preliminary hearing has been scheduled for September 18th of this year. Mr. Williams is represented by counsel, Mr. Ben Wetzel, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On September 27th of 2021, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Bivens Hill Road in reference to a shooting. Once on scene, deputies located Miss Tony Odom, who was the victim of a gunshot wound. Miss Odom later died from her injuries. Detective Ty Downing with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. After interviewing witnesses and reviewing physical evidence from the scene, Mr. Irwin Odom, the victim's husband, has been identified as a suspect. At the conclusion of the investigation, Mr. Odom was charged with first-degree murder. Mr. Odom is represented by counsel, Mr. Josh Crane. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. Mr. Odom awaits his next court date of November 3rd of this year. On June 14th of 2021, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a reported rape of a child. Detective Tiffany Host was assigned as lead investigator. Upon interview of the juvenile victim and the suspect, Mr. Eric Branch, along with the collection of evidence, Mr. Branch was indicted by a Rutherford County grand jury in February of this year for four counts of aggravated sexual battery, two counts rape of a child, and one count possession of a weapon by a convicted felon with a prior violent felony conviction. Mr. Branch was represented by counsel, Ms. Katie Ladefogen, and the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney Sharon Reddick. 
On March 8th of this year, a jury found Mr. Branch guilty on all counts. On June 20th of this year, Circuit Court Judge Jimmy Turner sentenced Mr. Branch to a total of 72 years to serve in the custody of the Tennessee Department of Corrections. On October 19th of 2019, officers with the Laverne Police Department investigated a reported sexual assault against a juvenile. Detective Steve Krotz has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. Through effort, efforts with multiple other officers and agencies, the investigation resulted in evidence against Mr. Luis Mendoza Sanchez for the sexual assault. In August of 2021, a Rutherford County grand jury indicted Mr. Mendoza Sanchez for rape of a child, four counts of sexual battery, and one count of aggravated assault. Mr. Mendoza Sanchez was represented by counsel Mr. David Clark, and the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney Sharon Reddick. On April 19th of this year, a Rutherford County jury found Mr. Mendoza Sanchez guilty as charged on all counts. On July 14th of this year, Circuit Court Judge Jimmy Turner sentenced Mr. Mendoza Sanchez to a total sentence of 59 years to serve in TDOC custody. On June 9th of 2020, officers with the Smyrna Police Department were dispatched to investigate the physical abuse of a 10-month-old juvenile. Detective Marcy Gossett with the Smyrna Police Department was assigned as the lead investigator, and upon the conclusion of all interviews, collection of physical evidence, and reviewing all medical records, reports, and findings, the matter was presented to a Rutherford County grand jury. In February of 2021, Mr. Jordan was indicted for aggravated child abuse and aggravated child neglect. Mr. Jordan was represented by counsel Mr. Andrew Beasley, while the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney Hugh Ammerman. On April 26th of this year, a jury of his peers convicted Mr. Jordan as charged on both counts. On August 25th of this year, Senior Judge Don Ash sentenced Mr. Jordan to a total sentence of 15 years to be served in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. On March 3rd of 2022, Deputy Cody O'Donnell with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department conducted a traffic stop on a vehicle for an expired tag violation. The deputy made contact with the driver, Mr. David Lee McCoy. As a result of observing what appeared to be drug paraphernalia, the deputy performed a canine sweep of the vehicle. The canine alerted to the presence of the odor of narcotics. A search was then conducted and 15 and a half pounds of crystal methamphetamine was located in the vehicle. Mr. McCoy was arrested in charge with possession of over 300 grams of methamphetamine with the intent to sell or distribute. In June of last year, a Rutherford County grand jury indicted Mr. McCoy for that offense. Mr. McCoy was represented by counsel Mr. Scott Saul and the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney Brent Pierce. On August the 7th of this year, Mr. McCoy went to trial before a Rutherford County jury. However, by the second day of the trial, Mr. McCoy had fled the court. The trial proceeded without the presence of Mr. McCoy, and the jury convicted Mr. McCoy as charged. A warrant for Mr. McCoy was issued for his arrest by the court, and as of today, Mr. McCoy remains at large. On April the 20th of 2022, Officer Eric Renfro of the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a traffic crash with injuries. Upon conclusion of his investigation, Officer Renfro charged Mr. Donald Saunders with vehicular assault, 
reckless endangerment with a deadly weapon, and DUI second offense. TBI results confirmed that Mr. Saunders had multiple drugs in his system, including fentanyl, methamphetamine, and clonazepam. In January of this year's Mr. Saunders was indicted by a Rutherford County grand jury for these offenses. On July 19th of this year, Mr. Saunders entered a plea of guilty to vehicular assault, receiving a three-year sentence to serve in TDOC custody, and reckless endangerment with a deadly weapon, receiving a two-year state-supervised probation sentence to begin after the service of the original three years. Mr. Saunders was represented by counsel, Ms. Billy Zimmerman, and the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney, Jerry Blythe. On July 16, 2022, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a reported aggravated burglary. Officers made contact with the homeowner and were provided with information regarding items taken from the home. One item was a MacBook that the owner was able to track. Officers went to the location of the ping and discovered two large duffel bags at the feet of Mr. Joseph Michael Thomas. Mr. Thomas denied knowledge or ownership of the bags. However, Mr. Thomas admitted to ownership of a plastic bag that contained items that were verified to have come from the victim's homes. The two bags also contained stolen property from the homeowner. Upon being interviewed by law enforcement, Mr. Thomas admitted to the aggravated burglary. Mr. Thomas was arrested and charged with aggravated burglary, theft of property, and vandalism. He was indicted by a Rutherford County grand jury on October of 2022, and on August the 29th of this year, Mr. Thomas entered a plea of guilty to aggravated burglary and received a 10-year sentence to serve in TDOC custody. Mr. Thomas was represented by counsel, Mr. Caleb McCain, while the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney Tammy Reddig. On August the 15th of 2021, troopers with the Tennessee Highway Patrol responded to a vehicle crash resulting in the death of Miss Wendy Rogers. The driver of the suspect vehicle was identified as Mr. Ersi Yadir Carcamo Aguilar. Mr. Aguilar had an odor of alcohol on his breath, bloodshot eyes, and admitted to consuming tequila prior to driving. Mr. Aguilar performed poorly on field sobriety tests and witnesses told law enforcement that they had observed the vehicle driven by Mr. Aguilar driving at a high rate of speed and striking the vehicle being driven by Miss Rogers. Blood was drawn from Mr. Aguilar and TBI lab results verified that he was driving with a blood alcohol content above the legal limit. At the time of this offense, Mr. Aguilar had been allowed by the Rutherford County Judicial Commissioner's Office to post bond on two other DUI offenses which had occurred in April of 2021, two weeks apart and just three and a half months prior to this tragedy. Mr. Aguilar was represented by counsel, Mr. Tony Maynard, and the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney Ashley Chisholm Hall. After extensive motions hearings handled by General Chisholm Hall, Mr. Aguilar entered a plea of guilty to vehicular homicide, as well as to the two pending DUI charges. Mr. Aguilar was ordered to serve 10 years in TDOC custody, a senseless tragedy that may have been avoided had the warning signs of two DUI charges within as many weeks not been ignored. On July 20, 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting resulting in Mr. Vanches Brown and Miss Tammy Childress both being shot. Both Mr. Brown and Miss Childress survived their injuries. 
Mr. Antonia Beach was identified as the person responsible for the shootings. In January of 2020, Mr. Beach was indicted by a Rutherford County grand jury for attempted first-degree murder, attempted second-degree murder, two counts of aggravated assault, reckless endangerment with a deadly weapon, possession of a weapon by a convicted felon, and employing a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Beach was represented by counsel, Mr. Michael Offinger, and the state was represented by Assistant District Attorneys Sarah Davis and Ashley Chisholm Hall. A jury trial began on July 24th of this year. On the third day of the trial, Mr. Beach did not appear in court. The trial proceeded without Mr. Beach. However, a few hours after the trial had resumed, officials were notified by Metro Nashville law enforcement that Mr. Beach had gone to the home of his grandmother and shot himself in front of her ring doorbell camera. Mr. Beach died from his injuries. On June 27th of 2018, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Old Las Casas Pike. Upon arrival, officers located Dylan Biddle Jr., who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds. Mr. Biddle died from his injuries. Officers were also contacted about an unknown male that had been shot and was attempting to get into vehicles at the Reeves Rogers Elementary School. That male was later identified as Albert Mustafa. Detective Sergeant Tommy Massey with the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as the lead investigator in this case. Multiple witnesses were interviewed and evidence on scene was collected. Upon collection of the inv- pardon me, upon conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Mr. Mustafa and Mr. M- Devante James went to a residence on Old Las Casas with the intent to commit a robbery. Mr. Biddle was a guest at the residence, and Mr. Mustafa entered the residence and attempted to rob him. During the course of the attempted robbery, Mr. Biddle was shot and killed. Mr. Biddle was, however, pardon me, Mr. Biddle was, however, able to return fire, and Mr. Mustafa sustained a gunshot wound as a result. Mr. Mustafa was charged with first-degree felony murder, attempted aggravated robbery, robbery acting with two or more persons, and conspiracy to commit the same. Mr. Mustafa was represented by counsel Mr. Thomas Parkerson. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Ashley Chisholm Hall. The trial was held between August 14th and August 22nd of this year, and a jury of Mr. Mustafa's peers found him guilty as charged. Circuit Court Judge Barry Tidwell sentenced Mr. Mustafa to life in prison for first-degree murder. A sentencing hearing will be held on November the 27th of this year for the remainder of the charges. On July 27th of 2021, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department began an investigation of a reported rape of a 21-year-old female. The young woman was lured to the home of her neighbor, Mr. Richard Lawrence Canada. Mr. Canada was friends with the young woman's mother and had known the young woman for some time. While Mr. Canada's wife was out of town, Mr. Canada contacted the young woman's mother and asked if the young woman would assist him in preparing for a massage class. The young woman agreed because she trusted Mr. Canada. The young woman went alone to Mr. Canada's residence wearing a swimsuit as requested and disrobed when told to do so by Mr. Canada. During the course of the massage, Mr. Canada pulled off the young woman's swimsuit bottoms. In shock and afraid, the young woman froze and was then sexually assaulted by Mr. Canada. 
Mr. Canada was indicted by a Rutherford County grand jury in March of 2022 for eight counts of rape. On May 3rd of this year, a jury of his peers convicted Mr. Canada on all counts. On July 14th of this year, Chancellor Howard Wilson sentenced Mr. Canada to 11 years to serve in the custody of the Tennessee Department of Corrections. Mr. Canada was represented by counsel Mr. Josh Crane, while the state was represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. I would like to conclude this episode of our look inside the courts by thanking the men and women that work in my office and our law enforcement partners that work so hard to serve our community. This is Good Neighbor Events with Bart Walker. Brought to you by AmeriCare Pest Control and the law offices of John Day. I've got pests, buzzing rodents running all through my house. Ants chewing wood and look, there's a mouse. I've overrun with pests, pests, but you're gonna be sure, safe and secure. It's the last rights for those pests. Call the best of the best to get rid of your pests. 893-7111. AmeriCare Services Incorporated. Call us today. 893-7111. Let's check those WGNS Good Neighbor events. There's a hallowed ground lantern tour at the Stones River Battlefield. The next one is Saturday, September the 9th. It's free, but you need to sign up in advance. Contact the Stones River National Battlefield for more information. Be sure and get your tickets for Greenhouse Ministries Live in the Borough. It's Tuesday night, September the 12th at Hop Springs. Tickets are available online at the Greenhouse Ministries website. Oh yes, let's get a dose of local history too. Come on over to the One Room Ransom Schoolhouse this Saturday morning from 9 until noon. Members of the Rutherford County Historical Society will be there to talk local history. Plenty of coffee and free donuts. 717 North Academy Street. Yes, it is free. Don't throw away old glory. Bring your tattered American flag to WGNS and let the girls from BSA Troop 2019 at Trinity United Methodist Church retire it with dignity. Plus, we also recycle Bibles. Those are WGNS Good Neighbor events. What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to today's episode of What's the Law? Today, I'm going to discuss with you an aspect of our federal rules that Tennessee has yet to adopt. With this understanding, these are my personal opinions on what Tennessee should consider and not necessarily the opinions and beliefs of the Office of the District Attorney General. Briefly and crudely, there is a separation between our federal laws, statutes, rules of evidence, and rules of criminal procedure, and the individual states, and their statutes, rules of evidence, and criminal procedure. The federal system sets the bare minimum of what the states must do to protect individual citizens from government action. However, the states may offer its citizens more protection 
from government action than the federal government requires. Which on its face sounds like a good thing. But there are instances where the states miss the mark and should look to the federal government for what is in the best interests of its citizens. And in my humble opinion, Federal Rules of Evidence 413 and 414 are two of those instances. You see, 413 allows that if a defendant is accused of a sexual assault, the court may admit evidence that the defendant committed any other sexual assault. The evidence may be considered on any matter to which it is relevant. So what does that mean? It means that in our federal court system, it is permissible to offer evidence of a defendant's prior conduct for the purpose of demonstrating a defendant's propensity to commit the charged offense. The court, i.e. the judge, must determine that the probative value of the evidence is not substantially outweighed by the prejudicial effect of the evidence. The more similar the act and the greater the sufficient specificity that can be demonstrated, the more probative value the evidence has. Congress specific intent is to allow such evidence into criminal trials only in cases involving sexual assault and child molestation. Such evidence can be in the form of prior convictions or prior uncharged instances of a similar nature. Federal Rule of Evidence 414 is in essence the same as 413, but it focuses on the crimes of child molestation. It states that in a criminal case in which a defendant is accused of child molestation, the court may admit evidence that the defendant committed any other child molestation. The evidence may be considered on any matter to which it is relevant. Once again, our federal courts have held that such rules are constitutional and do not violate due process, equal protection, or any other constitutional guarantee although the district courts must conduct a balancing inquiry in a careful, conscientious manner. In 1996, the United States Congress passed amendments to Federal Rules of Evidence, enacting Federal Rule of Evidence 413 and 414, allowing admission of uncharged sexual offenses and child molestation acts in prosecution for sex offenses. The law was passed over objections of Evidence Rules Committee and Advisory Committees. Since enactment, all federal courts have upheld these rules against all constitutional challenges. Courts have judicially interpreted this seemingly mandatory new rule subject to General Relevancy Rule 403, requiring courts to balance probative value versus endangering a substantial unfair prejudice. Court decisions have essentially made these uncharged acts presumably admissible. So how have the various states viewed the federal rule? Of 50 states surveyed, 19 have enacted either statutes, rules of evidence, or in one instance a constitutional amendment to allow uncharged sex offenses and a prosecution for a sex offense to show a propensity to commit such acts but not Tennessee. Not yet. What is needed? A bill 
and the support of the House of Representatives and the Senate. Why should they? Well, let's look briefly at some national headline news cases. Number one, Larry Nasser. Mr. Nasser was a Michigan State University physician and a team physician for the Women's United States of America gymnastics team. Nasser sexually abused dozens of young, teenage, and prepubescent girls over the course of years. Nasser was ultimately charged in the state of Michigan for his crimes, and because of MCL 768.27, a Michigan statute that allowed for the admission of other uncharged offenses against a minor, all the victim's cases remained together. Nasser ultimately pled guilty to multiple counts and was ordered to serve between 40 and 125 years in prison. Another case, Harvey Weinstein, a famous movie and television producer, charged with multiple counts of rape in New York and California. These were based on allegations of requiring young women in the movie industry to perform sexual acts in order to work for him or face being blacklisted. He used his power and influence to make these women satisfy his sexual desires. The New York courts relied upon case law that allows evidence of crimes or bad acts committed by a criminal defendant that are not part of the pending case but help explain the conduct for which the defendant is being tried. The state was allowed to offer testimony of other victims to show his behavior in other contexts that had essential similarities. Weinstein was convicted in New York and is serving 23 years in prison. He received an additional 16 years for a conviction on similar charges in California. Bill Cosby, America's jello pop loving wholesome family man. Cosby was charged in Pennsylvania for sexually assaulting a 30-year-old woman at his Pennsylvania home. Cosby drugged the young woman and sexually assaulted her. He was tried and convicted and sentenced to incarceration for a period of 3 to 10 years. The conviction was overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for reasons not related to the admission of the bad acts of the former actor and comedian. The Supreme Court upheld the trial court's admission of the testimony of five women, all of whom testified that Cosby had drugged and then sexually assaulted them under circumstances similar to that in the victim's case. These are just some of the reasons why Tennessee should consider and adopt Rule 413 and Rule 414 as Tennessee's rules of evidence. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of What's the Law? The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street across from the tall NHC building is an upscale boutique thrift shop. Proceeds from sales benefit Greenhouse Ministries, a faith-based nonprofit serving the underserved here in Murfreesboro. The Garden Patch offers competitive prices on name brand clothing, furniture, large appliances, household items, toys, and more. Shopping at the Garden Patch helps Greenhouse Ministries inspire, give hope, and change lives. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. Is your saving for retirement strategy involving the phrase, I'll get around to it someday? If so, we need to talk. Hi, I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Lee Colvin, and when it comes to meeting your goals, time can be on your side, and there's no better time than now to get started towards your retirement goals. Give us a call, Lee Colvin, at 615-907-7056. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. As we end our program today, we thank WGNS 
for providing the airtime. And we thank our producer, Brian Barrett. Most of all, we thank you for listening. We leave now by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my two co-hosts, Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones and Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This is J. Paul Newman bidding all of you a safe and blessed day.